Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to First Bite, the mini-sized podcast for Pride of Detroit. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, the interim coach of this podcast and the mini version of it. Uh, You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter or just the regular Pride of Detroit account at Pride of Detroit. With me, as always now, I'm just going to say as always now, because you're you're your attendance has been impeccable lately. And I feel like everyone needs to know that. Uh, Ryan Matthews is with us for first bite at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing this fine Thursday afternoon? Well, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for recognizing successes. Celebrating successes is very important in life. Um, <laughs> and that means a lot coming from the Dick Duran of the podcast. Well, I'm, I don't even, was that a compliment? That doesn't feel like a compliment. <laughs> he was mildly successful. You know what? That probably accurately describes me as well. I'm going to take it. (laughs) (laughs) On this podcast, we are going to be talking about new Lions defensive coordinator, Corey Unlin, who was hired this week. We were hoping to get talk about all the Lions new staff as um, they look to fill it out before the senior bowl. Looks like they're waiting until later in the week to do that. And we'll have the rest of that covered on the regular Pride of Detroit. Uh, podcast on Sunday, assuming it gets done by then, which is probably a good assumption because everyone is travel- traveling down to Mobile this upcoming weekend and uh, word is out that they've already told the Senior Bowl staff that they'll have their whole coaching staff in place by then. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about it then, but now let's keep it to Corey Unlin. Um, we'll also talk a little bit draft in the, in the second segment. Uh, we're going to be introducing a new weekly segment, which we're very excited about, um, but I won't spoil it yet. Uh, let's talk about Corey Unlin now, though. Let's talk about our initial thoughts of it, um, how it's maybe sat with us throughout the week. We've had a couple days to to sit on it now, um, gather our thoughts, get all the emotional, uh, you know, impact out of the way. Ryan, tell me what your first thoughts were when the Lions hired Corey Unlin. Well, my first thought was who, Yep. And Fair. and I think that that was a lot of people's reactions. I I don't know if I was anticipating a big name to all of a sudden come in and be the defensive coordinator. I probably shouldn't have expected that. But I think what the Lions got was a guy who is close with Matt Patricia. And I think once we found out his ties to New England, while brief, Matt Patricia does describe him as being a quote unquote good friend. So is it fair to call it nepotism? Yes. 
Uh, but at the same time, the guy does have a track record. He does have quite a bit of experience. It seems like he's been a defensive coordinator in waiting for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about whether or not he's put in his, you know, put in his dues or, or whatever you want to call it. But he, he's definitely experienced as a defensive backs coach. He, he has a track record with him, as I just mentioned, but I'm, I'm a little bit turned off by the, by the hire just because of the ties to Patricia. And it's not what I was hoping for as he did with Daryl Bevel. Right. But I think in a way, and this was my initial reaction was this is exactly what we were expecting, right? A guy who has Mm -hmm. some ties to, to Matt Patricia, a guy who, um, you know, probably, was looking for an opportunity, not a guy that that could have gotten other opportunities elsewhere necessarily. Um, but a guy that knows what's expected of him. And, you know, we weren't going to get a guy as, as much as people wanted a guy like Wade Phillips. It just wasn't going to happen. This was, this is Matt Patricia's defense. It was going to be no matter who they hired, they weren't going to take someone who's drastically different. That being said, I will say I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this hire. I, I do think it's interesting the guy has been well respected everywhere he goes. If I'm not mistaken, he's never actually been fired outside of being, you know, outside of like a mass coaching change. You know, if his, I believe no head coach has fired him. Let's put it that way. Um, everywhere he's gone, he's he's survived. Um, you know, regime changes unless it's a full regime change. And even in the case of the Eagles going full regime change under Chip Kelly, he, he survived that. So. I do think he brings a lot of value. I, and, you know, you never want to know how much you want to give a guy credit for what players say of them. Because, you know, you get, there are plenty of players, coaches out there that are that are good at relating to players, but not necessarily good coaches. Jim um, Caldwell. Jim, Jim Caldwell is, is a great example. But uh, it, it does mean something, especially to a, a coaching staff that needs a personable guy, maybe. You know, we've, we've seen some butting of heads between Matt Patricia and, and some of the Lions guys, whether it's, you know, on the surface or, or not. Um, maybe they've, they've fixed that problems with their culture change through two years. Who knows? But Unland is, is definitely an interesting guy. And I'm, I'm not ready to, to slam him or, or, you know, say, oh, same old Lions or whatever. It, I mean, you never know. You never know, especially with a guy who's essentially being a first-time defensive coordinator. He did it back in his, what was it, California Lutheran days as his, as his first-time <laughs> head coach. Or, sorry, first-time defensive coordinator back in 2000, so 20 years ago. Um, but he's, he's a hire that I'm intrigued by. He's, he's a guy that I'm, I'm willing to give a chance. Let's put it that way. Sure, and I'm willing to give the guy a chance, too. And I think what you said, Jeremy, kind of sums it all up. This was the type of hire we were expecting Mm -hmm. and considering he is a player's coach by all accounts, it seems like he is a guy who won over people in every locker room that he went to, especially with this Philadelphia Eagles locker room for as bad as the defensive backs were in Philadelphia. If Jim Schwartz wasn't going to be the guy, they wanted Corey Unlin to be their defensive coordinator. Um, And I think having a guy like that in here, as you mentioned, Jeremy, a guy who is a player's coach, I think that is a nice juxtaposition from the the role that Matt Patricia has clearly taken on. Seems like Matt Patricia is willing to be the bad guy 
he's willing to be the guy who is initiating the culture change. He seems to be the guy who wants to fight tooth and nail to make, to make Detroit the place that he envisions it to be. I think getting a guy like Unlin, if you've ever seen the movie miracle, it's like Herb Brooks and his assistant coach. Like it's, <laughs> it's clearly, it's clearly a little bit of good cop, bad cop. And, and yeah. maybe, and maybe that's what, that's what Matt Patricia had in mind. And maybe that's who Paul Pascaloni was. I didn't hear anybody ever say anything bad about Paul P. So, yeah. and, and, and I'm, and I'm willing to also kind of concede the, the idea that, yeah, he, 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 was, he, you know, he survived regime regime changes. He also never really got fired from anywhere, but he was definitely on the chopping block in Philadelphia. He was, I, I think that he okay. was ready to go. The Eagles had the opportunity because it is a lateral move to move from defensive backs coach to defensive coordinator. They had the chance to block the hire, but they yep. didn't. And clearly that means that a change was, was bound to happen because Philadelphia's defensive backs were just that bad. Now, how much does that have to do with Unland? How much can Unland really do? He's not the defensive coordinator in the first place. I don't know, but that's why I think my initial reaction was nepotism, but it's not necessarily negative in that sense. It's like, well, yeah, Patricia's clearly going to hire a guy that he knows he's comfortable with. And he's going to fill this very specific role. Yeah. And I want to dive a little bit into his history because one point you said is that, you know, the Eagles kind of had this guy lined up to be defensive coordinator. If Jim Schwartz ever went anywhere, that's a common thing, really. Um, if, if you look at the athletic had a great article kind of scoping, you know, both what, who Unlin has been as a person and as a coach. And John Fox was saying the exact same things when he was there with Denver. He was definitely a guy who was up and coming, who could be a defensive coordinator. And of course, all these guys are going to say that about their own coaches. But um, to, to see this guy, you know, go 20 years and basically leave everywhere he's gone um, with with positive things to say about, except maybe Philly now, um, is a good thing. And And let's talk a little bit about Philly because, I mean, no one ever wants to hear the injury excuse. But it needs to come into the equation here, right? I mean... This is a team that was starting Craven LeBlanc last year in the playoffs. <laughs> a mm-hmm. guy who couldn't make the Lions roster, who couldn't stay on the, the 53 in Detroit. When, and last year, things were probably even worse in the secondary than they were this year. Um, and, and he did a pretty good job with Craven LeBlanc, right? They, they kept his head above water. He played better in Philly than he did in Detroit. Um, so I think, it, I think 2018 can can't really be viewed as anything more than a success for him. Um, 2019, maybe a little bit of a different story. Um, there were still some injuries, some significant injuries. Um, but even then, like we're talking about the 19th, the 20th ranked defense when it comes to pass defense. Like We're not talking 31st, 32nd like Detroit. It mm-hmm. was bad. It just wasn't horrible. And I know yeah, that it- I know selling this, <laughs> this hire as, oh, we got someone who's bad, not horrible. Probably not what you're hoping to hear right now, but it's an up and comer. It's a guy who dealt dealt with a a tough situation in Philly where they're spending all their resources on their front seven, not their back four and uh, injuries, you know, plague that team. And I don't know. I'm, I'm mildly optimistic about this. I'm not going crazy about it. I I, like you probably would have preferred them to go out of their comfort zone a little bit here. But uh, in the end, this is a guy who's also, I mean, let's, let's be honest. We, We can say the Patriots ties all we want, they spent one year coaching together 
And yes, they might be good friends, but he's also made a lot of other friends along the way. He's mm-hmm. played along John Fox. He's played along Jack Del Rio and Jim Schwartz and Mel Tucker. Um, a lot of guys that have kind of a, a different scheme, a different um, game plan than than what Matt Patricia might be bringing. So he might be bringing some other ideas. I, I still think this is obviously going to be Matt Patricia's defense, and it's not going to look all that different this year. But Corey Lynn might bring some different perspectives, and, and, and that's that's the least I could ask of him. Yeah, and this is something that I don't think we talk about enough on the podcast in any form and in any way. And I'm interested to get your opinion on it. But I think that when you look at NFL teams historically, it's personnel over coaching. Yeah. It truly is. At the end of the day, if you have players, you're probably going to be successful. Now, if if you have players and you're not successful, a la Cleveland, I mean, Freddie Kitchens was so clearly in over his head that that roster still had shortcomings but you can go back to the philadelphia eagles when they put together their quote-unquote dream team and that you know blew up in their face that come that 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 is a direct reflection upon the coaching staff too and it it's too easy to it's too easy to color inside the lines and to connect the dots and say that this is the exact way this is the formula for success. We talk about that with like a quarterback on a rookie deal. We talk about how there's so many different ways to skin this cat. Look at the way the Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl. And yes, I mean, Corey Unlin was part of that. He was a defensive backs coach for that team. They won that Super Bowl with their backup quarterback. I, you know, and, and I I just think that when you look at Unlin along the way at various stops, like in Denver, he had Aqib Tlaib and he had Chris Harris. And at that point, Aqib Tlaib was still Aqib Tlaib. And Chris Harris Jr. might have been the best cornerback in all of football. Yeah. Those those defenses were pretty good. They were pretty good. And, you know, you get to Philadelphia, even the Ronald Darby, you want to talk about injuries. Ronald Darby tears his ACL last year, and he is probably maybe, <laughs> probably maybe the worst cornerback in the NFL, uh, according to a lot of different metrics. And, I think I think that at the end of the day, personnel is always going to trump coaching. So hopefully what the Lions can do is they can give Unlin some pieces, some healthy pieces, and he can do with it as he can. And because truly, like like we say, I think this is going to be Patricia's defense and and Corey Unlin is here to to facilitate that. Yeah, and I want to pull this quote again from the athletic piece that I was referencing. It came out on on Thursday from Chris Burke and uh, Nick Baumgartner. They they tag teamed on this one. It's a quote from Malcolm Jenkins that I think might leave people feeling a little bit better about this. And of course, this is very specific to DBs. Um, his his abilities as a defensive coordinator can obviously be debated outside of this, but he says, "quote When Corey first got to Philly, all he did was preach press technique, down to the smallest detail, the first steps." That was stuff I was able to learn and actually use on the field. He instantly helped make me a more efficient player. What do we hear from Matt Patricia all the time? Every single press conference, details, fundamentals, all that sort of stuff. This is a guy who, who fits the ideal that Matt Patricia wants. And there's a first person testament to a guy pointing directly to his positional coach, making him instantly better. And we're talking about like a veteran at this point. This is a guy who's been around for a while. Um, and as they point out in this athletic piece, he'd been around for a while, but he had never made the Pro Bowl. He made it three out of four years with under Unlin. It's a pretty good testament right there. 
Yeah, it is. And I think even going back to when Matt Patricia was initially hired, some of the videos that we were able to see of him, you know, leading conferences and things like that was him specifically working with defensive backs and mm-hmm. working on things like technique and things like that. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that if if Matt Patricia was looking for a guy to fit his to help him facilitate his vision of what he wants what he wants the emphasis to be on when it comes to playing defense, I think he got the guy that that he wanted. That's that's a really good point too, yeah, cuz whether they'll they'll say it outright or or not, this team is preaching coverage over pressure, right? This, oh yeah, this team is, and and it's an ongoing debate in the analytics world right now. But they're definitely firmly in the place of they prefer better coverage over more pressure, and this move I think solidifies that. Yeah, totally. All right, that's Corey Unlin, baby. That's Corey Unlin to a T. Uh, we're still waiting on everyone else on that defensive staff. They still have to find a linebackers coach, a DBs coach, a strength and conditioning staff, and a tight ends coach. Uh, but we will talk about all that, as I mentioned, next Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, when hopefully all those people will be in place. Until now, that's it for Coaching Talk. When we come back, we're starting a new draft-related segment that you're going to hear every week on First Bite. I'm excited about it. I know Ryan's excited about it. So stay tuned. That's coming up next. And we are back with First Bite, our Pride of Detroit mini podcast to get you through the week while we wait for Sundays and the big POD cast, which again, we'll be, we'll be talking a little senior bowl since that's coming up. And uh, obviously the big news that'll hopefully be in is the rest of the Lions coaching staff. But for now, it's time to turn our attention to the draft. And we've got a very special segment that was introduced by Ryan in our Slack page this, this weekend. And I'm very excited, but it's his baby. So I am going to let him tee it up. And serve it to you. You know, if I'm excited about a draft segment, that it's going to be kind of silly, though. Yeah, you know, Jeremy's always tongue in cheek whenever he's excited about the draft. But let's get right into what will become a weekly recurring segment here on this little mini cast we do. To a talk. To a talk. To a talk. And let's talk about the latest and greatest left-handed quarterback from the University of Alabama to a Tongo Vailoa. Look, I did it perfectly on the first try. So let's let's see what is going on in Tua World. Earlier this week, uh, it was actually yesterday, which was Wednesday, Wednesday. if my days are correct. Yep. Uh, former Alabama quarterback to a Tongo Vailoa Expected to be healthy and throwing for NFL teams by April, according to. Let me get the source real quick because it is always important to get the source for Tua Talk. Mike Rodak of the Alabama.com. The Alabama.com. The Alabama.com. <laughs> now, when it comes to Tua Talk, and we are going to have Tua Talk each and every week. I think what's important to note is that some of these things are going to be relevant to Detroit Lions football, and some of these things are going to be completely irrelevant to Detroit (laughs) Lions football. Specifically, the idea that Tua is ever going to play quarterback for the Detroit Lions. (laughs) 
yeah i i think i think before everyone turns this podcast off and, and yells at us let us be clear that neither of us are advocating for for Tua to become a Detroit Lion. Everyone realizes on this podcast that it's never going to happen. So half the time, Tua talk is absolutely going to be tongue-in-cheek, but we're going to have fun with it. But in this case, the news might actually have some sort of relevance to the Detroit Lions and not in the fact that, oh, he's going to work out for the Lions and maybe be their third overall pick, right? Yeah. So what? So let's talk about why it is relevant to the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Do you yeah, want to take it? Yeah, it's your it's your segment. So let's get right into it. I mean, if Tua is healthy and he's ready to throw, and according to this article that was uh, written by Rodak on Alabama.com, he says that longtime NFL agent Lee Steinberg, whom top, who Tua hired last week, uh, is expected to hold about a forty minute session in which he makes sixty to eighty throws in front of scouts. I think that's more than anybody was anticipating him doing. Mm-hmm. I th- I think people, especially after that hip dislocation and fracture. I think a lot of people were expecting him to be a wild card. And I think a lot of people were were expecting his health to not be even close to that level. So I think a healthy Tua and a healthy Tua who can go out and then make some throws that impress some scouts and at least, at least ease their mind that, you know, this hip injury hasn't affected his ability to throw the football or to look like a quarterback because that's really all that this is going to do, right? Like this is just going to help him pass an eye test yep. and it, it, there is no pass rush. There is no anything like that. It's 40 minutes of, of just throwing the football. And I think that it's simply just to check the box and say, Tua can still throw a football. And I've seen it with my own eyes. It's, it's the Colin Kaepernick workout where... You can pretty much only look good. Like, I mean, everyone will pick out what they pick out of of a a throwing contest with with mm-hmm. no defenders. But um, yeah, I think the overall thought here, though, is just the more good injury news, the better for the Lions because I, I think that's the biggest knock. The, the, let's be clear, too. I mean, two is not the perfect uh, quarterback prospect that that I think some people are making him out to be. I feel like as we get you know, deeper into this draft process, some people are going to start picking apart his game a little bit, and there are things to pick apart of his game. Um, but the biggest question is is injury. I mean, this isn't this isn't just a hey, once he recovers, he'll be fine. Injury. This is a very specific, very unique, very potentially. I mean, we talked about it being potentially career ending when it happened, and so the the knock isn't just hey, is he going to be healthy for his rookie year? I think a lot of people know, even if he is teams might want to sit him for the first half of the season just to be safe. And when you're investing a first round pick in a rookie quarterback, you're not expecting a guy to come in week one, immediately play at an MVP level and take your team to Super Bowl. You're expecting some rookie woes. And that's especially true of Tua. What you're looking for in this offseason with him specifically, though, is that, like you said, this hasn't permanently affected his throwing motion. This hasn't permanently affected who he is as a quarterback. And the fact that he's able to get out there and start throwing again in a couple months, huge for him, huge for him, huge for his potential of being a top 10 pick, maybe a top five pick. We'll see. Uh, I still think we're, we're jumping the gun on that a little bit. I feel like his college statistics are what's carrying his momentum into definitely being the, the fifth overall pick or the third overall pick or wherever the, the dolphins are picking. But the more Tua gets hyped, the better because the Lions' third overall pick will suddenly be more valuable. And that's it. 
That's it. Yeah. And I think a couple picks become more valuable, right? Like not only does the Lions pick become more valuable, but Washington's pick becomes more valuable. And I think in either of those scenarios, a player becomes available to Detroit that previously was thought to be off the board. And whether or not that's Chase Young or it's the Lions move back. And if the Lions are moving back, there's a team that's moving up to take a quarterback. So that still means another player will fall further than, than anticipated. So I see, I I really do believe that Tua, if he is healthy, I think that he will be a good NFL quarterback. And I think that even going back to last season, I think a lot of people thought that it was, you know, that this draft was kind of like a foregone conclusion. Tua was going to be the number one pick. Now, I will say that in years past when that's been the case, like Brad Kaya was supposed to be the number one overall pick and the best <laughs> quarterback in the draft preseason, you know, the, the year that he was drafted in 2017. So not drafted. That, oh, wait, no, he was drafted. Never mind. Sorry. Oh, he was drafted. Right. My friend. Um, it's easy to forget. And, yeah. It's easy to forget. <laughs> um, I'm still rooting for him, but I, the, the thing is, is I, I wonder how many teams, if, if Tua looks healthy. Now I'm not saying that, he should be drafted in front of Joe Burrow. And I think that Joe Burrow has, Joe Burrow's done everything he can to cement his spot at the top of this draft. But it was one year. Yeah. I mean, how, and guy threw for like 5,700 yards. His completion percentage (laughs) was like 76%. He threw 60 touchdowns. Like that's the type of like hyperbolic statement that somebody makes about somebody's season when they don't know their actual statistics. They're like, how many touchdowns did he throw for it? I don't know, like 60. Joe right. Burrow actually did that. Yeah. Uh, but I, you have to, I, I think there are always concerns and you want to talk about quarterbacks who had one really nice season and then all of a sudden were the number one pick and busted out. You, you can, you can find examples of that. Mitchell. You can find examples of that. You're going <laughs> to give me another one. So I can give you an LSU quarterback, an LSU quarterback named Jamarcus Russell. So yeah. there, there are plenty of examples of flash in the pans in college and not necessarily translating well to the pros. I'm not saying that about Joe Burrow, but what I'm just saying is that while Tua has these injury concerns, there are other is maybe not equally as valid, but there are, there are concerns that can still be had about other quarterbacks. And I'm just on the Isaiah Simmons bandwagon now, by the way, that's me. Yeah. That's who I am. Yeah. I'm still convinced, and and who knows what position Isaiah Simmons will actually play. But I'm but I'm convinced cares, the lines right? the lines are just content with their linebackers, so I'm not even going to bother getting my hopes up. But but just before, and we can talk about Isaiah Simmons a little bit if you want for to, to close us out here. But the, the point I want to <laughs> yes to close out to a talk. The the one thing I do want to say is just like, and and I'm sure Lions fans have already imagined this scenario, but let's say the first two picks go as we all expect them to Burrow goes one Jason goes two. Then the lines make that trade that literally everyone seems to be predicting, like not just in Detroit land. I've seen guys over at the draft network. You know, I think Matt Miller even did it over a bleacher report. They trade down to five with the dolphins dolphins grab two. And now, and now you're left with a beautiful scenario. Like if you want to go defense, you're now guaranteed to get either Jeff Okuda or Derek Brown. Guaranteed. And you got an extra second or third or whatever you got for trading down. Like that's that's beautiful. 
I will take that. If you were to hand me that opportunity right now, I'm saying screw it. I don't care. I don't care about the odds that Chase Young falls to three. Give me that deal right now. I want that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're you're guaranteed one of those guys without a doubt. And who knows? Maybe even Chase Young falls to five because the Giants clearly want to run the football. Maybe they just take another running back. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, but I'm I'm definitely intrigued by Isaiah Simmons, and I know yeah. that I know that people will talk about the fit just because he isn't he isn't the size of linebacker that Matt Patricia covets, right? But and if you could do me a favor and just pull up his exact measurables for me, um, I can try. Yeah, I know you can do that. Uh, Isaiah Simmons kind of more so fits the mold of who Jared Davis is in terms of his size, but his athletic profile is even. It's even more shocking. I think the guy ran a four point or a four point three one. I, I saw that that video of him trying to. He he basically was running side by side with the. I, I want to say the LC running back. I can't remember his name. Is that Etienne or whatever? Oh yeah. Um, uh, he's six foot three, two twenty eight. So well, well below what the lines typically want in their linebackers, which is in the two forty, two fifty, even two sixty range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. The Lions like their linebackers big, slow, and hulking. So yeah. I'm not sure. <clears throat> I'm not sure where he would fit in. Maybe he could play some type of some type of box safety role where he can you can do interesting things with him off the. My, my only thing is that if you can't find a spot for Isaiah Simmons on your defense, and I think Dane Brugler said this uh, earlier in the week on Twitter, but he was like, if you can't find a spot for Simmons on your defense then you should fire your defensive coordinator because he clearly isn't imaginative enough. And I, I think that he's just going to be a player. I think he's going to be a guy who routinely maybe racks up 80 to 100 tackles a year. I think he's a guy who would consistently get into the backfield. I think he's a guy who would, who would be a legitimate threat coming off the edge as a, you know, as a pass rusher in you know, unique looks and fronts and situations. I really like him. It's too bad that I'm just not a fan of another team because I don't envision him being a legitimate prospect for Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way. And, and you know, uh, our, our buddy Eric Schlitt over at Lineswire put a, put a fantastic piece together about where he would fit in Detroit. And he, he agrees with one of the guys in our chat that says he's actually kind of best served to play the role that Tracy Walker already plays. Mm-hmm. And, an interesting idea and if that's the case then yeah there's there's almost no chance i would say that the lions would hire would would draft him because they love tracy walker and tracy walker is playing really well right now so i don't know um he's an intriguing prospect he seems like a lot of fun and and i think he's one of the hottest prospects right now in terms of lions and and what they want because he, he played fantastic in the national championship game because he's so versatile which is something we know the lions covet and because he does everything he does everything that the lines need to do better he pass rushes he, he's good in coverage he's fast he's rangy um he's just an exciting guy out there and and, and i think everyone's just excited to see what he's going to do at the next level i just think it's unlikely he does anything here i really don't yeah. think he's a guy on the lions radar it's a bummer but you know one guy who isn't on the lions radar who also isn't <laughs> no who isn't on the radar Who's Tua. That? Tango Vailoa. <laughs> this is the end of Tua talk, people, but get used to it because we're going to bring it back each and every week. Yes. 
And let's end to a talk by just reiterating, no, it's not happening. The lines don't need it to happen. Lines certainly won't make it happen. They've, they've made it very clear. Matthew Stafford is their guy. And you can say all you want about the, the owners having the, the win now mandate. It wasn't going to happen anyways. You don't sell the future of your franchise quarterback away especially for a guy who's coming off a very, very serious injury. I know everyone wants to have that young rookie on a, on a cheap deal, but let me make clear your window for winning a Super Bowl on that small, on that contract is three years at most at most. Cause your rookie year, you're not going to do anything your fifth year, which is your fifth year option on your rookie deal. It's probably not going to exist. You're probably going to get an extension if you're playing that well. So that leaves you three years. Do you think the Lions can turn around their roster enough in, in two, three years? Capitalize on that window? It, it's, a, it's a small window that becomes even smaller in, in actuality because if the Lions are going to draft him at three, he, he's going to get redshirted. Yeah. It would essentially so, be, it would be, it would be a draft and stash. So year one is out the window. You're gonna you're gonna put him on the bench and you're gonna have him play behind Matthew Stafford, and and by play I mean hold a clipboard. And yep. then year two, if you do move on from Matthew Stafford, well now this is his rookie season, so you're essentially gonna get rookie quarterback in year two. So that 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 even shortens your window even more. Yeah, that's that's not a good way to build a team long. I, I know that goes against conventional wisdom and saying that's not how you build a team long term. Obviously, getting a young a young franchise quarterback is, but if you're banking on doing it while he's on a rookie contract, it's just not a good path to success. I mean, the Rams had their window and yes, everyone would take the Rams run for the Super Bowl for, for the Lions. But now look at him. Now they're in trouble. Now they're in salary cap hell. Now they didn't even make the playoffs. Um, that's what you're talking about. This team's future where this organization right now is trying to build for the long-term success where they don't have to rely on someone on a rookie deal, a quarterback on a rookie deal. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen, but what is going to happen is to a talk each and every week. folks. Each and every, you're going to have to listen to it. <laughs> you, no, you don't have to, you get to listen to it. Hold on. Yeah. Privileged. <laughs> People are privileged to be listening to this. No, we love you. <laughs> We all appreciate your listens and we all appreciate it and know that Tua Talk is all tongue in cheek and for the most part. But today, I think there was in cheek. (laughs) I think today was legitimate. I think today was legitimate to an extent and it just further reinforced our our hopes that Detroit is team trade down. Absolutely. That's how we're going to end First Bite this week. Thank you for listening. As always, be sure to like, subscribe. Give us reviews. We're going to start reading reviews on our Sunday POD cast. Um, so if you haven't done that, go over to, uh, what is it? Apple Podcasts. Give us a nice review. And we will see you guys on Sunday. See you. Bayside. Bay. <laughs> <laughs>